Welcome to Forever Seeking, the Notre Dame Prep Alumni Speaker Series presented by the Forever Saints Alumni Association. I'm Jenny Douglas, NDP's Annual Campaigns and Alumni Engagement Coordinator. This episode is sponsored by Tracy and Kathy Kuda, parents of Nicole 06 and Jordan 09. Notre Dame Prep is a diocesan Catholic high school located in Scottsdale, Arizona, founded on our three pillars of reverence, respect, and responsibility. As saints, we are forever seeking. This series features NDP community members who share how their involvement with NDP has impacted their lives and their ongoing search for wisdom, truth, knowledge, justice, and understanding. Today, we are joined by NDP alumna Katie Nocken, who will be hosting our third speaker, Tom Marr, former member of NDP's theology faculty. NDP class of 2012 grad Katie Nocken currently serves as an analyst for the United States Department of Defense, where she provides insights to senior defense and national decision makers. She also recently co-founded the Command Presence Foundation, a nonprofit organization that supports veteran women transitioning from active duty to the civilian world. Katie previously served as a senior analyst with Renaissance Strategic Advisors, one of the leading consultancies supporting premier firms in the aerospace and defense industry. She graduated from Columbia University in the city of New York in 2016 with a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations with honors, and was also a proud Lady Lion and a member of the Columbia University varsity women's soccer team. Thank you, Katie, for joining us today. Hi, NDP alumni, I'm Katie Nocken, and today I am joined by Tom Marr, former member of NDP's theology faculty. Mr. Marr grew up in Seattle, Washington, where his family ran a Chinese restaurant for 10 years. He attended public school his entire life until he went to Stanford, where he earned his undergraduate degree in physics. It was also at Stanford that he met the Dominicans and under their guidance and care, decided to become a Dominican himself and studied the priesthood for six years. Ultimately, he left religious life and started a career in Catholic education. Then principal Dave Gonzalez offered Mr. Marr a job right after interviewing him and Mr. Marr stayed at NDP for 10 years. He taught physics, honors physics, math, and every subject in the theology curriculum during his time there. Mr. Marr developed a genuine love for the school and its students, but to make things easier for his family, changed schools to one closer to home and has been there now for the past six years. He's overjoyed at having this opportunity to reconnect with NDP friends and families. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Marr, it's great to see you. Hi, Katie, <laughs> it's wonderful to see you too. Yes, uh, so I guess before I get into the, the questions, I just wanna see how you and your family have done kind of at the tail end of a crazy year this year. It's crazy is the right word. It's, it's much like everyone else <clears throat> because I, I have six kids and my oldest is 12 and, and my youngest are twins and uh, my, my twins are three, three now. They just turned three. And between virtual school and, and I've been virtual school mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and one of my sons, he also has Down syndrome. So he has, um, he has therapies he needs to go to. So pandemic has been very tough on the family. But yeah. on the other hand, I, I gotta say, when, when we started going back to school, I, uh, you know, I, I went back to school uh, in live, and then my, 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 my girls, my oldest, my oldest girls started going back to school live too. I'm like, you know what, I, I know it wasn't ideal to, to spend all that time together clustered in a house, but on the other hand, 
<laughs> I kind of enjoyed <laughs> I yeah, kind of enjoyed all definitely. being clustered definitely. in the house. It's like we, we stayed together, we had to mm -hmm. find new activities. Yeah, um, definitely. We, we couldn't be distracted by other things. So so in some ways it was it was a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. I mean I, the, the kids needed to go back to school. I needed to get back to work. Mm -hmm. um, but it was on the one hand it was it was some intense family time that yeah. I enjoyed. Quality time. So, you know, your bio had said that you spent some time studying under the Dominicans, and I remember you kind of telling us a little mm -hmm. bit about that uh, when we were in theology class. But I guess what was your kind of transition like out of the seminary and into education? It was absolutely rough. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I mean, you have to remember, this was, this was also the 90s. Mm -hmm. and, and during the 90s, um, a new thing in the 90s, I, I went to Stanford between 92 and 96, and... I remember at the time, ATM cards were introduced, <laughs> and you'd have to go to a bank to go get an ATM, mm -hmm. and, it's, and, you, and all you could ever do was go to the bank. So then during, during my entire time studying for the priesthood, I didn't have to worry about money uh, mm -hmm. because the order took care of me. I made $75 a month, and that was sufficient <laughs> um, I, to get toothpaste and whatever else I needed. Mm -hmm. $75 a month was fine. But when I decided to leave, yeah, I didn't know what to do. I mean, the the order the order didn't just leave me, but but I, I had to, you know, I had, I had to fend for myself. And mm -hmm. I remember um, I was I was dating a girl. Uh, we were in San Francisco, and um, it, it works out well because this same girl is going to show up in all of whatever stories you ask of me. Because <laughs> this same girl is why I ended up in Arizona, and this same girl is now the mother of my six children. Mm -hmm. So it, it all works out. Mm -hmm. But I was dating Lily at the time in San Francisco. And I was living there, and she, she would visit me because she lived here in Phoenix. And I did not know how to take money out of the bank. Oh, my god! Because, we, we, because we, we were on a date somewhere, and we needed some kind of cash. And I said, oh, we need to go find a bank. <laughs> and, and she said, no, you can walk up to point of sale. You know, you can walk in and walk into a store and buy something and then <laughs> oh get, like, gosh. money back. Yeah. I'm like, no way. <laughs> when did people start doing this? So, I mean, it was, it was stuff like that where <laughs> it's like, the world, the world had moved on, mm -hmm. and I, I put my nose to my books, mm -hmm. and just with the intention always of like, yeah, why would I ever need to learn this? Why would I ever need to learn about a retirement plan? Oh my Who gosh, cares, yeah. right? And uh, all the adult things oh, that you need. <laughs> I put it off. I put it off by six years. <laughs> exactly, which is why I consider myself, in a way, six years immature. Right. So, right. <laughs> so re really, uh, I'm uh, I'm 45 now. But really, I have the mentality of a 39-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most compelling argument I've heard. Just staying 39 <laughs> So it's like I have no clue what's going on. Mm -hmm. And 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 we were, we were uh, you know we were just talking a moment ago about social media, and uh, it's, it's the same thing there too. It's like you know in, in about 10 years I'll be like, oh my gosh, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Then you'll catch up. Then you'll catch up. Probably, huh? probably. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So I guess I'm, you know, I'm curious. I think for a lot of alumni, of all of us who have, you know, professional lives now, right? And you have to kind of make these decisions about your vocation, right? And that's right. what you want to do with your life, right? And right. making the decision to, you know, move from a seminary to education, like that's a big decision, and it's one I think a lot of us kind of go through in our own way. But it's something that you can't necessarily ask others, right? It kind of mm -hmm. has to come from within. So I'm curious how you kind of made that decision. Uh, it's not a, not a small one. I, it, the, the, short, the short way to put it is follow, follow what makes you happy. 
is, is probably the, the most compelling way to put it. Um, when I was thinking about leaving, I was talking to a religious sister, and I shared with her um, that I was already six years in, and uh, I was coming up for what they call final vows, and final vows would have been uh, essentially marrying the order. Would, at that point, it would have been perpetual. Mm -hmm. And I, I hesitated, and she said, God, and, and I remember her advice, because it's, it's something I, uh, I'm about to drop on you. She said, God wants you to be happy. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I thought about that a lot, and I said, okay, am I going to be the most happy here, or am I going to be the most happy in following this particular vocation? Mm -hmm. Which brings me back to Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas uh, said that in the vocation God has called you to, you will be the most happy. And, and it's not to say that you can't do other things. It's mm -hmm. just that you'll be the most happy yeah. in the things that God calls you to. So in some ways, I, I guess the answer to the question, Katie, is what gives you joy? When, when I was studying for the priesthood, I was very happy. Mm -hmm. I was very happy doing what I was doing. I was very happy preaching. I was very happy being with people. I still enjoy that today. But, I, but, but what nagged at me was was wanting to be a father. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be a dad. Mm -hmm. and, and, and part of that, of course, is also being husband. Yeah. And I, that's what ultimately moved me, mm -hmm. because I said, this is where my joy is. Mm -hmm. And now if I, can have a, if I can have my cake and eat it too, I can be a dad, mm -hmm. I can be a husband, and still do what I did, right. which is right. to say, teach theology. Mm -hmm. Now, if we, if we move it away from this, I would say the same thing applies to, to young people as well, mm -hmm. as, they're, as they're looking to, to ask themselves, well, what is God calling me to? Mm -hmm. so it's the same advice I give, I give everyone here, which is to say that God wants you to be happy. Mm -hmm. God wants you to be holy. And there's things that God has already given you. Um, the way I put it in my philosophy class, Aristotle puts it this way. Aristotle says, you can know the purpose of a thing by knowing its perfections. That is to say, what is this thing good for? Mm -hmm. And then it tells you, or what, what is it good at? And then you can find from that what it's, what it's meant to do. Mm -hmm. So if we say, um, I would say, look at your perfections. What are you good at? Mm -hmm. What things would you do if you weren't getting paid? Mm -hmm. What do you do as your hobby? And in some ways, parlay that hobby, parlay that joy into something you can do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Because I already read philosophy. I already <laughs> like to study theology. I already like being with kids mm -hmm. um, and being with students. So I said, okay, how do I turn this perfection into, into purpose? Mm -hmm. How do I turn these perfections into purpose? Yeah, that's and, great. and teaching was the way to do it. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it's the same thing for everyone. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's kind of just like striking to me how simple that is, right? It's, it, it really is like a, it's, inner, it's inside and it's your joy, right? And that's right. No one can really advise you on what makes you happy that's or right. tell you what makes you happy. It kind of comes from, from within. The, the is, tricky thing, if, there, if there's going to be a tricky part to this at all, it, it's going to be knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. it, it's about asking yourself what, makes, what gives you that joy. And I, I think a lot of people don't go through that step. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they go through the angst, perhaps, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, right. but then they, they don't right. like take a step back and talk about joy, right. talk That's about right. happiness, mm -hmm. and, and what do you really enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. And I think if you kind of start there, then the rest will tumble into place. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So I guess with that in mind, kind of how did you then find yourself in Arizona, and how did you find yourself at, at Notre Dame specifically? 
Well, as, as, I, as I shared a moment ago, <clears throat> I was in a long-distance relationship with Lily. Mm -hmm. I was teaching in a Catholic school in San Jose, um, and Lily was living here with her parents. Um, after she graduated from college, she moved back in with her parents, and she and I started a long-distance relationship after a year of that. And I was happy in San Jose. Um, things were going well. But after a year, our relationship was getting serious enough mm -hmm. where one of us had to move. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to ask Lily to move. Mm -hmm. So I sent out my resume, just cold. I just, at, at time, some form of Google search, just all of the Catholic schools in Arizona. And Dave Gonzalez was the first to reply. I, oh, that's so great. I, I, I told my principal that I was going to take some, uh, principal to, in San Jose, that I was going to take some personal time, flew down here to... Um, to Phoenix, to Scottsdale. Lily picked me up from the airport. I got, I got interviewed immediately because um, who was, Linda Pecora was the department chair of the science, science department. Mm -hmm. And Barb Stanley was, was the department chair of the theology department. Mm -hmm. And of course, Mr. Gonsalves was here. And I got interviewed for physics position well, under Linda Pecora, a theology position under uh, Mrs. Stanley and with uh, Dave Gonsalves. And right after this, this string of interviews, which is also the first time I also met Ms. Dingus, she was here for the first time. Well, she'd already been here a year, but, but she kind of showed me around the mm -hmm. campus. And a lot of familiar names, definitely. Familiar <laughs> names. And then uh, immediately Mr. Gonsalves offered me a job. Before, before I could leave, I said, all right, that's, that's it. I the guess that's it then. Yeah, and he said, um, would you like a job? I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. And, and because, because of my relationship, I, I was really eager to take any job. This, this campus was still very small at the time. This campus was, uh, it only had two classes mm -hmm. at the time. And uh, it, was, it was rough around the edges because it was just getting off the ground. But I'm like, I'm ready for the adventure. Uh, and, and let's do this. Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't really, I didn't negotiate any salary. I just needed a job. Mm -hmm. I needed a job. I needed to come down here immediately. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I needed to buy a car. I, I mean, it was all that craziness. <laughs> yeah. I was looking around apartments yeah. somewhere around here in case I didn't get a car. But, um, <laughs> but it all worked out. And, mm -hmm. and uh, really, and I shared with you a moment ago, um, I've always loved NDP. Mm -hmm. NDP always, um, NDP was always good to me. Um, and NDP, in, in some ways, my, my teaching experience here, the, the, the 10 years that I spent here formed me as a teacher. It formed my values as a teacher. Um, Mr. Gonzalves was just a wonderful principal, and um, he kind of shaped my expectations of a principal. Um, my, the students, you included, my, my students here were just fun and I still look for that in my students, mm -hmm. you know. So, so in some ways, like I like I said, NDP. When when I left NDP and went went to another school, it was it was very hard for me. It was very hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, but but it was one of those things where it was like, you know, my family was growing, right. and um, the half hour commute from from here to to my house was just getting to be a little bit taxing, mm -hmm. just for my family. Definitely, definitely. So you mentioned that Notre Dame kind of shaped who you became as a teacher. So I'm curious maybe how your teaching style for just in general, but maybe theology specifically has changed, you know, since you, since you started here at I, Notre Dame. I'll give you, I'll give you a classic example. Um, sister, si sister was, uh, sister Yolanda was also 
really influential on me. And one of the things that she, she put in every classroom in this campus was um, Christ is the reason for the school. And you add on top of that, Mr. Gonzalez at this time, he really held that theology was the, the, the central, camp, it was central topic on campus and everything revolved around theology. He said, build relationships with students. Finishing the curriculum is not important. Build relationships with the students and help them build relationships with God. That, that, that freedom that he gave me, uh, when a principal tells a faculty member, don't worry about covering every chapter, build relationships. Mm -hmm. And then when, when the campus minister tells you Christ is the reason, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then when the, when, when the motto of the school is saints, I'm like, oh, this is the school. <laughs> I, I really, I, I mean, I, not only that, but it's just, I, I really loved the vision of the school. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, though, those things really shaped me. Mm -hmm. Because to this day, I still tell my, my students now, it's all about relationships. Mm -hmm. High school's about relationships, about relationships with each other, relationships mm -hmm. with God. I tell them that your, your primary, the primary role of your life is to become a saint. I, I mean, that, that's what the catechism teaches. Mm -hmm. It just helped that NDP had that as, as our mascot. Right, right. But, and, and to my students too, I, I, to this day, I still say that theology is the single most important subject that you'll study here. Mm -hmm. And, and that's because at, at the end of the day, every one of us, every one of us when we're 100 years old and, and we're, we're, we're ready to move on to the next phase, what we studied in theology will, will, will come back. Right. You won't worry about George Washington. You won't worry <laughs> about the conjugation of certain Spanish verbs. Mm -hmm. You won't worry about whether or not you can integrate XDX. You're gonna be, be wondering about what comes next. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be wondering about whether or not you lived a good life. And all of those things would have been covered in theology. Mm -hmm. So I, that's something that I, I very much appreciated about this school, very much appreciated the Catholic identity, mm -hmm. and very much something that I, I've always taken to heart and I've never left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, I do have to ask, you had mentioned that, and it was in your bio as well, that you know you were welcomed on campus by both Ms. Bacora and Ms. Stanley, right? And you taught both science and theology. Right. And so I think a lot of people would kind of look at that and say, well, wow, you, you know, physics and theology, you couldn't have picked two subjects that are more different, right? Mm -hmm. But I guess I'm curious, you know, how do you see the interaction between those two subjects or the relationship between those two subjects? And where is maybe the, like the overlap between them? Why, why those two subjects in particular? The funny thing is <clears throat> science ran in my family. My father was a chemist. My sister, my older sister is a, a mathematician. Um, second sister is a physicist, third sister is a chemist. So uh, I came along and science, science was something that I had to study. So when, when, when I was an undergrad, I studied science, yes, because of kind of like my, my family background, but I studied science because I really wanted to know the answers to questions. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know why, mm -hmm. why? And, and simple things that science, of course, answers now. Why is the sky blue? Right. You know, why, does the, why does this wheel stop? Those, those types of things, we can <laughs> yeah. answer all those things. But I discovered the higher up I got in science, the higher up I got in physics, it was really failing to answer the questions I really wanted to know. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know why we existed. I wanted to know what, what was the nature of love. 
whether or not uh, things can be, uh, ethics is objectively good or, or it's only what we want to say is good. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways, science, physics was failing to answer those questions. It kind of led me there, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really, it wasn't scratching the itch that mm -hmm. I really had. Yeah, and and that, that's, what that's what transitioned me into philosophy. So I, I guess the answer to the question is, and, and many people think that somehow science and theology are opposed, and they're not, because we, we, we recall that the truth, the truth can never contradict itself. Mm -hmm. So whatever is true in science is still true, but it is still very limited. Mm -hmm. There's a limitation in its scope, and this is something that I try to get across to my philosophy students now, that science only deals with the quantifiable. Mm -hmm. And, but the most important things in our lives are non-quantifiables. Mm -hmm. So we, we want to talk about love in the end. We want to talk about hope in the end. We want to talk about what's good. And in some ways, science just, it's just not built for that. Right. Science does answer a lot of questions that, that, that are really satisfying to us, but not satisfying to us in the, in the, the, in the human spiritual, way, yeah, in the right, spiritual right. human way that I wanted mm -hmm. to. So in some ways, it's, it's not that these subjects are in any way opposed. It's just, it's the limitations of physics that got me to, to hunger for something more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I jumped ship. <laughs> That's, great. That's great. So I guess, you know, speaking of non-quantifiables, um, obviously NDP was, was formed on, with three values in mind, right? right? Reverence, respect, and responsibility. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious how you use some of those in your teaching, but I guess more, more broadly as well, I mean, I remember being a student here, and those were always a part of our That's conversations. Right. That's right. Um, and it was always at the fore. I mean, it was posted in every classroom, and mm -hmm. we always kind of went back to those. But I'm curious, you know, of the whole menu of values, right? That that NDP could have chosen. Maybe why was why were those three kind of the cornerstones of the school, and why do you see those as being so important that they were interwoven into all of our conversations and classes and education. I, I think if, if you had to distill, distill down the, these, these, and you, you couldn't have them all, you had to have a very small list because sure. it had to be easily passed on to mm -hmm. a 13 year old kid. <laughs> right. you know, so, so generally speaking, we're, we're, like, we're saying that if you're going to be successful, if you're going to be happy, if you're going to be holy, mm -hmm. there's, there's really three things that you, that you have to be uh, mindful of. And, and, and you could think of it this way. What are the obligations that our life has? Our we have obligations to God, mm -hmm. and we have obligations to each other. Mm -hmm. So what, how, do we, how do you fulfill those obligations? Right, right. Your obligation to God, you meet with reverence. Mm -hmm. And you can't, I mean, God is real. We, we have to meet that obligation to God. And, and there's, there's nothing, I, and I can't treat God as I, as, I, as I treat you, or I treat my wife, or I treat my children. There's a particular type of thing that I must give to God out of obligation to what God is and to what I am as, as a creature. We call that reverence. Mm -hmm. So that's like, yes, if, if someone's <laughs> going to get along in life, he's got to know reverence. Right. That, that makes sense. Right. And respect and responsibility came with, okay, okay. But, but not everyone's going to be a monk and not everyone's going to be a priest or a nun. We also have to live with one another mm -hmm. and living with one another. It's like, okay, how am I going to be successful? What do my kids need to know in order to be successful with one another? Mm -hmm. And this is where it's like, respect, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you got to have respect, <laughs> right. you got to have respect. It's like, right. otherwise, and in some ways you can see how a, a lot of our contemporary social issues are, are really rooted in our failure to respect, mm -hmm. our failure to respect the dignity of the other. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if, if you're gonna get along socially in the world, you gotta have respect, 
And responsibility, it's like, yeah, and, and if you're going to meet your obligations as an adult, you've got to also have some level of responsibility. Right. You've got to, I mean, and this is, I mean, we joke around about adulting, you know, but, but, it, but it's like, yeah, responsibility. Th yeah. This is what we call it. But, right. Before we called it adulting, we right. called it responsibility. We, we called it right. growing exactly. up. We called exactly. it about ta taking mm -hmm. the role that you have. Mm -hmm. so, so generally speaking, you know, as, as we have those discussions way back then, mm -hmm. The whole idea, it's like, okay, what, what do our students really need to have in order to flourish, mm -hmm. to become what God made them to be? And reverence, respect, and responsibility were the three that came out, mm -hmm. and they still make sense today. Yeah, that's great. So how did you incorporate that into your teaching? I mean, I, uh, you know, I assume that you tried to do that in maybe explicit and creative ways. Sort of how did you bring those into conversation in the classroom? Largely, uh, in, in a theology classroom, reverence was not hard to do. <laughs> yeah, Re sure. that, that, that came easy. And one of the things that I appreciate about NDP was we, we offered adoration. Mm. And in this way, it was, it was a, a specific, specific opportunity to, to offer reverence. Just something that we, uh, it was easy to do. Um, and and it, it, it clarified to God or clarified to the students that we were doing something for God that we wouldn't do otherwise for, for each other. Adoration, mass, um, prayer, because I used to da do daily mass with, or, or daily communion gatherings with, with sister, and that's why reverence was so good. And that was something that I would talk to the football players whenever we would gather. Mm -hmm. So reverence was important there. Mm -hmm. And respect and responsibility really came across most easily in the classroom, because we, we expected whenever kids got into trouble with each other, we would talk about respect. And then whenever kids didn't turn something in, we talked about responsibility. <laughs> you know, so, so I, I mean, generally speaking, it was, it, was themselves in a way. <laughs> it was quite easy to <laughs> right. fold in. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, that was, some, that was something that was really nice about the ISOs, is, is that they were very natural. Mm -hmm. They were very organic to a way a school works, and very organic to a way a Catholic school works. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was pretty easy, pretty straightforward yeah, to do great. it. That's great. That's great. So, you know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier about kind of looking back on our time at NDP and just reflecting on kind of the, the values that, and experiences that we had here. And I think, you know, reverence, respect, and responsibility are definitely some of those. But I think as I reflect back on my time here, I see certain threads that I've kind of like pulled through into next chapters of my life. Mm. So I'm curious for you, what are maybe some of the experiences that you have had that you draw on either from NDP or 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 else from other times in your life that have kind of informed some of your decisions especially during a really hard year like 2020 I see all right Katie I see this as, as a couple of things um, one I, I think when we're talking about it was something that, that, that I came back to some that I, I mentioned earlier it's, it's about relationships this is something that I really think NDP did well, and it, it's, it's um, so to the question, to the question, um, some of those, what are the threads that really come through? I'll give you one, one kind of a heady answer, and then I'll give the sentimental answer. The, the heady answer that, that, that I think that the thread that runs through is it's, it's about freedom. Mm -hmm and encouraging students to be the best sense of what free means. It's about happiness. Uh, it's, it's about encouraging the students to be, uh, just what we've talked about earlier, about being the most happy they can be. It's about holiness. And, and, and it's about love. 
So generally speaking, I would say those four things are the, are the, are the four threads that, that I, if, if I could do it all over again, just keep pointing out, is, mm -hmm. this, is, is, is this what freedom means? Mm -hmm. is, this what, is this what will make you happy? Is this the most loving thing you can do? And is this going to make you holy? I think holiness for some people tends to be um, something they don't fully understand. And holiness, because when we encourage people to be saints, they're like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, totally. Here's what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. A saint is someone who, who totally uses their freedom well. Mm. A saint is someone who understands what happiness is and understands the priority of happiness is in their lives. Mm -hmm. A saint is also someone who also understands love and dedicates their life to it. Mm -hmm. So if, if when, when we encourage our students, when we encourage at NDP to say a student should be a saint, we're encouraging them to be free. We're encouraging them to be happy. We're encouraging them to be loving. Mm -hmm. And if you can do all of these things, then this is a saint in the making. Mm -hmm. those, those are the threads that, that, that run, through, run mm -hmm. through a class. Then the sentimental answer to all of this is, as I said earlier, it's, a, it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. The relationships I, I have formed with you, with mm -hmm. your we, we were talking a moment ago mm -hmm. about some of your classmates. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I still remember them well. <laughs> I still remember yeah. them well. And it's, it's because we managed to form those relationships. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and somehow the years haven't changed that, even though mm -hmm. we haven't been in contact for a, for a while. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, good to mm -hmm. see you. Mm -hmm. And we're back. Yeah, it's exactly. just like it was. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, that is a wonderful thing mm -hmm. to, to have run through a school. It's, it's about relationships, forming them, strengthening them, because these are the things that we're going to rely on again. Mm -hmm. When we come back now to, to this particularly difficult year, it's been about relationships again. Mm -hmm. right? and, and yes, we, and yes that we come back to freedom, we come back to happiness, yeah. we come back to love. But it's also been about relationships. Mm -hmm. I, I think in, in this very difficult pandemic year, the, the thing that I've often come back and focused on, and, and this requires me to be a little bit of a teacher again, the thing that I keep coming back to is, um, I put it this way, that when we, when we have these difficult times, I say nail it to the cross, nail it to the cross. Because Jesus takes all of our suffering. He takes all of these times. He takes, um, he takes the, the loneliness of, the, of these days. He takes the, the grief of these days. He takes the abandonment of these days. All of these things that he himself experienced on the cross. I say, nail it to the cross. Bring it to him. And when you bring it to him, he turns it into joy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same Jesus who turned Good Friday into Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. This pandemic, for some, it's been a very trying Good Friday. Mm -hmm. It's been very difficult. Mm -hmm. And yet, what our faith teaches us is that this same Jesus turns Good Friday into Easter Sunday, mm -hmm. into Easter joy. Mm -hmm. He takes death and turns it into life. I understand, you know, that this has been hard. It's been, it's, I'm sure it's been hard for you, and we were talking a little bit earlier mm -hmm. about how it's been hard for my own kids. Mm -hmm. But it, this is... We, we, we should never get into the mindset that this is the end. Mm -hmm. Because Good Friday, if you leave it at Good Friday, it's terribly crushing. Mm -hmm. But three days later, it's Easter joy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good message for us too. That this, there's always something more because Jesus promises us that. Mm -hmm. He always turns suffering into joy. Mm -hmm. So I think when we're talking about not only this year, but in general, what are we taking? 
foster that relationship with each other, foster that relationship with Jesus, and know that Jesus will make something out of this. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were kind of taking a, a Good Friday 2020 to turn it into an Easter Sunday of a 2021. Hopefully. I don't know if it's going to be 2021. <laughs> we hope. But I for sure know that Easter Sunday is coming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know when. I don't know when. That's not, that's not within my pay grade. Mm -hmm. yeah, but definitely. I do know for sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So uh, this has been really fun. Uh, it's been me too, so, so great to reconnect with you. So I guess, you know, we like to end each episode of this podcast the same way and in keeping with, with the name of this podcast. If you, uh, what's something in your life that you are seek, seeking and maybe a saint that possesses some of those values um, in, in what, you are, what you are seeking in this next year and, and just in general? I would say that... Uh, a saint for our times, it's just, it happened to be a saint that I was listening to on the, uh, about in the radio this year, that uh, Pope Francis just declared this the, the year of St. Joseph. I think St. Joseph is a good, a good saint for this year. And the, the reason why is because St. Joseph did quiet and hidden things. There, there's not one recorded word of St. Joseph's in scripture. And yet here he is entrusted with the care of Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, second, to, second to, um, to the Virgin Mary, just this ultra-responsibility uh, ultra and, and ultra-dignity given to a human person. So I think St. Joseph has a lot to say to us in, the, in these times because it, it's all about those hidden things. It's those quiet things. It's about getting things done and protecting Christ in our lives. St. Joseph is our model. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again. It's been so Absolutely, fun to, to reconnect and um, onward and upward in 2021. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, this, this gets better for sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Tom and Katie, for joining us on Forever Seeking. And thank you again to the CUDA family for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I would like to encourage all of our alumni to stay connected with us at www.ndpsaints.org slash alumni slash stay dash connected.